I love the story about a discouraged pastor whose church had zero momentum. It was an old country church, and he was getting ready to quit, and one day he just leaves the building, and he walks, and he falls on his face, and he cries out to God, help me, and you know, it was one of those special encounters with God where God met him there and changed things within him, and then things started changing without him, uh, around him, and then there was a flood of momentum through him, and, and the church was transformed. Well, this was an older pastor, and he was telling this story to, uh, to, to uh, a group of pastor friends, and there was a younger pastor there, and this younger pastor said, he said, hey, I, I need to go to that same place where you met with God. And the older pastor said, you want to go to that same place? Are you sure? And the younger pastor said, yeah, I'm, I'm desperate for God. I, I, I'm just, I'm burnt out. I need, I need to go where you met with God. And the older pastor said, follow me. So he walked and he walked through a field and brush and a ravine and walked about a mile and it was hot. And the younger pastor is getting frustrated and he says, are we there yet? And the older pastor said, no, no, we're not there yet. So they keep walking and they walk for another few miles and, and through, through difficult terrain and hills and it's hot. And the, and the younger pastor said, is this the place? And to that, the older pastor said, no, this, this isn't the place. So they kept walking even further and in an exa- an exhaustion and exasperation, the young pastor said, is this the place? And the older pastor said, no, this isn't the place. And they kept walking, and finally the younger pastor said, I, I, can't, I can't stand it anymore. I need God now. And to that, the older pastor said, then this is the place. See, when, when you come to the place where you're at the end of your strength and you can't go a step further, that is the place that you can experience the name of God that we are talking about, Jehovah Shammah. God is there. This is the place. One of the saddest passages in all the scriptures in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, God is walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and he says, Adam, where are you? It's a rhetorical question. God knows where Adam is. They just sin, and they're hiding. But this is why God created us, to walk with us in the cool of the day, to fellowship, to commune with us, so that we could experience his presence. What a gift What a gracious, extravagant, loving gift to bask in the presence of God. What water is to a fish, what the sky is to a bird, so is the presence of God to you and me. But unfortunately, many, perhaps of you, are like Adam and Eve, and you're hiding. And God is asking the same rhetorical question over you. Where are you? It's my presence that's going to enable you to live life to the fullest. It's my presence that's going to give you peace in the midst of global crisis. It's my presence that's going to usher in the provision that you need to make it. It's my presence that you're longing for. It's my presence that you're looking for in relationship to relationship or fix to fix or image to image. Where are you? It's my presence that I've designed you to bask in and come alive in. Where are you? Where are you? 
Are, are, are you basking in the presence of God? Is your heart quenched? Is your heart alive? Are you living to the fullest? Jesus said, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come so that you might have life and life more abundantly. Are you living this more life, this abundant life? Jesus told the woman at the well, you've had five husbands. The guy you're living with now is not even your husband. He wasn't trying to condemn her. He was trying to show her, look, you're at the well, but the real issue here is not a, 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 a mouth that thirsts for water, a body that thirsts for water. It's a heart, it's a soul that thirsts for me. And Jesus said, I am the living water. It's my presence, it's a relationship with me that your heart is longing for. So where are you? Are you basking in the presence of God? Or are you trying to satisfy your heart by some glistening temptation in this world? Our prayer is that you would, you would return to God or you would turn to God perhaps for the first time and experience the living waters, as Jesus promised, flowing from your heart. Our text verse is in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35. Now, let me give you a little context into this passage. This is an era in, in Jewish history when they were captive in Babylon for 70 years. Now, during this area, there's a contemporary of Ezekiel. His name's Jeremiah. He was a prophet. And he was telling people, listen, it's going to be a long trial. This trial isn't, gonna be, isn't going to be one that's just going to be over like that. So, you know, put your game face on, get focused, because this is going to be a long trial. Now, there were... There were false prophets, or we would call them in our day prosperity preachers that would gather people together and just sort of tickle the ears. They would tell them what they wanted to hear. And they were saying to the people who were in captivity in Babylon, Hebrews that were in captivity in Babylon, modern-day Iraq, they were telling them, listen, don't get too comfortable here. You're going to be back home in Jerusalem very soon, you know, probably by spring. No problem. Don't get too comfortable. But then the real prophet... Jeremiah stood up and said, don't listen to these false prophets. They're just tickling your ears. They're telling you what you want to hear. In reality, you're going to be here for 70 years. So you better buy land. You better build businesses. Go on and get married. Have children. Raise families. Because you're going to be here. Settle in. This trial and tribulation isn't going to pass quickly. It's going to endure. So you better focus and you, you better be wise in this. And it was in this context that the prophet Ezekiel, God says to the prophet Ezekiel, there is going to come a time when Jerusalem is going to be rebuilt. This is a prophecy within a prophecy because Jerusalem was rebuilt through the leadership of, of, of Nehemiah. But it's also a prophecy within a prophecy because it's also a prophecy about the time when it's rebuilt by the hands of God and the celestial city of heaven will come down and reign during the millennial kingdom. So this is a prophecy, but it's a prophecy within the prophecy. But it's within this prophecy that God says to the exiles, Jerusalem will be rebuilt and there was going to come a time when Christ sets up shop on planet earth and he's going to have no more need of the sun and Jesus himself will be the radiance. And in Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35, and the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. What a powerful name, isn't it? The Lord is there. Out at our house, we've got some agaves that just aren't happy. They're very sad because there's too much shade where they are. But 
When we take these agaves or we take these yuccas that are so sad in the shade and we put them in, in, in sunny spots because we have quite a bit of trees, but when we find a sunny spot, we'll plant those agaves there and then in just a matter of time, those agaves are healthy and strong. So God is saying to Israel what we would say to the, God, to the agaves. Hey, we're going to plant you where the sun shines. And in the, way, in the same way God is saying to, to Israel, your city, your capital is where the sun shines. More than that, it's where I shine. More than that, it's where I will be. I am there. The Lord is there. And this is God's promise to us. The Lord is here. Whereas they had a promise in Old Testament dispensation, the Lord is there. We have a promise today, the Lord is here. The Lord is in our hearts. And so, let's talk about what it is to bask in the presence of God. Rather than being like Adam and Eve that are hiding from the presence of God, we can bask in the presence of God and Rather than being an agave or yucca that's that's wilting in the shade, we can be replanted in the sun so that we can thrive. Because where God is, there is favor. Where God is, there is blessing. Where God is, there is provision. Where God is, there is power. Where God is, there is peace and strength. Are you where God is? As followers of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is within us. But are you aware of Christ's spirit and are you basking in his spirit and functioning in his spirit and all that is available to you? Throughout the Old Testament, God the Father revealed himself as Jehovah Shammah. Through Ezekiel to the Hebrews. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus Christ personified himself as Jehovah Shammah. God is here. Wherever Jesus was, God was. Jesus was walking on water. There's God walking on water. Jesus is on a hill teaching. There's God teaching. Jesus is spending time with drunkards and gluttons and sinners and tax collectors because it's not the healthy but a sick who need a physician. There is God ministering to the broken. Because when Jesus was born, God was born. And God lived 33 years of sinlessness and righteousness. As we looked at last week, Jehovah Sitkinu, so that his righteousness could be attributed to our account. And that is part of the gift of salvation. So throughout the Old Testament, God the Father revealed himself as Jehovah Shammah. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus Christ personifies himself as Jehovah Shammah. And then today, the Holy Spirit applies Jehovah Shammah to our lives. So that we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12, 13, and 14, that the moment we trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit immediately enters our heart. Isn't this amazing? The Spirit of Christ, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the grave, the same Spirit that, that the power of, of, of the Spirit created the cosmos, indwells our heart and communes with us and comforts us, convicts us, corrects us, carries us, promises us, leads us, guides us, directs us. This same Spirit is in our heart. And without the Spirit in our heart, we will always have a thirsty heart. Without the Spirit in our heart, we will always be subject to fear. Without the Spirit in our heart, then we will always feel like the weight of the world rests upon our soul shoulders and we'll be subject to anxiety. Without 
the Spirit within our hearts. We'll never have the peace that God is working all things, even and especially the difficulties and the tragedies together for His glory and our good. So throughout the Old Testament, God the Father reveals Himself as Jehovah Shammah. I am there. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus personifies Himself as Jehovah Shammah. I am there. I am with you. And in fact, Jesus' departing words were, because I'm going and because I'm sending you my spirit, and I'm going to send you out, and wherever you are, there I am with you, even until the end of the earth. And now today, through the Holy Spirit, Jehovah Shammah, it's not simply that God is with us, but now God is here within us. So, I want to share with you how you can bask in the presence of God and be empowered by the presence of God. Because God is an endless reservoir of love, peace, power, and provision. And I want to make sure that nothing is blocking the flow from God's throne room into your heart and through your heart. The first way to experience all that Christ has through you, through His presence, is to have, one, a devoted faith. A devoted faith. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is being devoted to one another in community. And one of the main reasons that, that God's presence and the awareness and the encounter, the experience, basking in God's presence is blocked is because we don't have a devoted faith. We have a convenient faith. We've got a comfortable faith. But we are called to be devoted I believe that there are lies that are perpetuating um, an ongoing crisis of discipline and judgment on our land. And these lies are, are spewed out of the mouth of religious circles. The first lie is the prosperity gospel. That if you follow Jesus Christ, he wants you to have a $60 million jet plane. Do you guys, do you guys read that in scripture anywhere? No, no, Jesus promised that if you follow me... I will give you a cross to carry. And if you follow me, you're going to have to give up your life. You're going to have to give up comforts. Another lie is not only the prosperity gospel, but the performance gospel. So that we want to do everything that we can do to make the truth digestible for you so that it is as convenient for you as possible. Somebody said, Jesus, I'll follow you, but, uh, but first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. I'm leaving now. Somebody else said, Jesus, I- I'll follow you, but first let me say bye to my family. And Jesus said, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Somebody else said, Jesus, I want to follow you, but what are the accommodations? And Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. There's a prosperity gospel and Then there's the performance gospel. And then there's the pampering gospel. Where we want to do everything to pamper people's faith so that they they never have to be inconvenienced. But Jesus said, count the cost, pick up your cross, and follow me. He calls us to a devoted faith to the body of Christ. Not just when it's convenient, but especially when it's inconvenient. Not just when we get pats on the back, but especially when we get persecution. He said, follow me. And make sure that your following me is committed. And beyond committed, make sure that it is devoted. And it's in 
following one another in the body of Christ. And it's in experiencing community together in the body of Christ that we get to bask in the presence of God like we never would otherwise as Lone Ranger Christians. For example, true story. I was in Israel, and I was there at the Wailing Wall. Has anybody ever been to the Wailing Wall? All right. So, it's remarkable. Huge stones. There, there are stone blocks that are, I mean, they, they seem as massive as this auditorium. Stone blocks stacked on top of one another. It's part of the, 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 the Temple Mount that the Temple of God used to be on. Well, the Temple of God is no longer there. It was destroyed in 586 B.C., um, rebuilt, destroyed again in 70 A.D., never to be rebuilt again. There's a Muslim shrine there. It's called the Mosque of Omar. So you have Christians, Muslims, and Jews all walking around praying for their respective, uh, you know, artifacts and purposes and histories and traditions. But here at the Welling Wall, you have Jews that, you know, they have the, the, the little hat on their head, and they're rocking back and forth like this, praying. Nobody really knows why they started rocking back and forth. Tradition has it that, that they started rocking back and forth because it visualizes a flame, and they're a flickering flame in their prayers, being the light of the world. And what they do is they go and they put their hands on that western wall, the welling wall, and they pray. And then they get their prayer requests. They write their prayer requests. They fold them up very tightly and stick them in between the cracks of that wall. They put their hands on the wall, and they pray. What's really cool is there are tunnels all underneath the Temple Mount, and I've been down underneath these tunnels, and, and there are candles all around because people want to get even further west, as west as they can, under the Temple Mount. And there are candles, and 24-7 there's candles and people with tears, and they're crying. Why? This is why. They are trying to get as close to where the presence of God used to be. You see, the temple of God was there. There there was the holy place, the holy of holies. We won't go into too much of that. But in the holy of holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant, and then there's the mercy seat, and the high priest once a year would go into the holy of holies, and the presence of God would meet God's people there in the holy of holies. Well, there's no longer a need for that for Christians today because when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom. The holy of, of, of holies was was wide open for any sinner who would approach through confidence in the blood of Christ. And then the Romans destroyed the temple in 70 AD, and it's never been rebuilt, and there's no need to because now we are the temple. But all of that to say, all of that passion, all of those prayers, all of those tears, because they are close to that holy of holies that's been destroyed, but that's as close to getting to where the presence of God used to be 2,000 years ago. How much more in awe should we be to be around one another for not where the presence of God used to be, but where the presence of God is? Because as followers of Christ, the Spirit of Christ is in you, the Spirit of Christ is in me, and we should have a sense of awe of one another. So whatever you do, don't mistake social distancing for isolation. Social distancing is a strategy to curb the coronavirus, but isolation is a strategy of the enemy 
to, to separate you from the body of Christ. Because when the body of Christ gets together, the Spirit's in me, the Spirit's in you, and our flames come together for a bonfire. And it gives warmth to one another and a light for a lost and dying world. So don't you isolate yourself from the body of Christ. If you have fear, if you have anxiety, if you have discouragement, be strong enough, be vulnerable enough, be humble enough, be brave enough to say, hey, I need prayers, I need encouragement, and let people in the body of Christ pray for you, encourage you, provide for you. And you say, ah, I don't need that. I'm a lone ranger. I'm too strong. I'm too brave. Oh, are you stronger than braver? St- stronger than Jesus? Braver than Jesus? Are you more Christ-like than Christ himself? Because even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Peter, James, and John, pray with me. Pray with me. And we have a command to be devoted to one another, to encourage one another, and to allow one another to be devoted to us and to encourage us. And so if you want to bask in the presence of God, because God is present, and God is here, and God is in you, and if we want to bask in the presence of God, then we will devote ourselves to community. And devotion is beyond Showing up when it's convenient, showing up when it's casual, showing up when there's pats on the back. It's being devoted, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when persecution is involved. We encourage one another with the presence of Christ within one another. And we'll experience the presence of God in our lives. So first, be devoted. Have a devoted faith towards one another. Secondly, have a directed faith. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Listen to this blessing of having the Spirit of Christ within you. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. This is an awesome benefit of following Christ. The Spirit of Christ is within you and He speaks. He reminds you of promises when you were a kid. When you read the Bible today, He he illuminates a promise for your life now. He encourages you. Oh, when your heart is broken, He gives you peace. There have been times that I just knew that the church was praying for me because I had a peace that I should not have had. That's the Spirit of Christ ministering to me. There have been times that I should have, I should have felt the weight of struggle far more than I felt it, but the Spirit of Christ carried the burden for me. There are times that I didn't know which way to go, but I cried out to the Lord and He always met me there and He always guided me and directed me. Sometimes the Spirit whispers, go left, go right. Sometimes the Spirit shouts, but we have the Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us. You know, recently I, I just sensed, I, I told Karen, I said, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I just sensed the Lord whispering to my heart, just to go down to the state capitol and pray and invite people. And I believe that a thousand people are going to jump online for a prayer meeting. And I know that sounded crazy. And I told her two or three times, I, I think I'm supposed to drive down to Austin and pray for repentance for our nation. And I think a thousand people will jump on and pray with us. And before you know it, we're driving down to Austin to pray. And we're seeing messages, oh, there's... There's going to be a, a riot and, and uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa. They're coming down to burn buildings, which they tried the weekend before, and somebody was actually killed. And, and so we were getting these messages driving down into Austin, and I, and I told Karen, I said, I feel like we're kind of driving into the hurricane rather than away from the hurricane. But it was a whisper, and I felt that leading. 
And so we got down there, and, and, and we, you know, we were talking. There were many state troopers, many national guards, many, many officers, and we started talking to them, and that's where we did our devotional. And, um, and all of that to say, I believe that God showed up in power and authority, but that's the result of simply listening to the Holy Spirit. How might the Lord direct you? Might the Lord direct you to encourage somebody? Might the Lord direct you to say, I'm sorry? Might the Lord direct you to say, hey, this is what really happened? Might the Lord direct you to stand in boldness on a promise from God's Word? How might the Lord direct you? We can try our very hardest and all that we can imagine up, but when we say yes to God's whisper that oftentimes doesn't make sense, we see that there's real breakthrough in that obedience. So often we say, God, here's what I'm doing, bless it. And God says, I never told you to do that to begin with. Why should I bless that? Knock yourselves out, exhaust yourselves. But God wants us to say, God, what are you doing? Can I join you? And God always invites us into his work. How to experience the presence of God in a powerful way so that you're a reservoir of his force and presence. Have devoted faith to one another. And we have to be creative to have devoted faith in this day and age, but we can have devoted faith. Have directed faith and have a sensitive ear to the Holy Spirit. And have daring faith. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who have faith and we persevere. And we go on to read. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. There's a promise from God's Word that the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate so that you can stand upon it and you can walk courageously. Because now is not the time for the church to shrink back. We're not those who shrink back. This is the time for us to walk forward in faith and courage, standing upon the promises of God. The world is in chaos. We are in a state of economic disruption such as the likes we have never before seen in our lifetime. We are in a state of social upheaval and and dissension such as we have never before seen in our lifetime. We are in a state of, um, of global crisis such as we have never before seen. And the world is afraid and the world is acting out in fear. You know, if you squeeze a tube of, tube of close-up toothpaste, what comes out? close up, right? Because whenever you're squeezed, what's inside comes out. And the world is being squeezed, and you see what's really inside of people. And fear is coming out. Anxiety is coming out. Hatred, discord, dissension is coming out. It's not that, it's not that our global crisis is producing this. Our global crisis is revealing what's in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. And all of this is coming out. And what the world is longing for is truth. The world is longing for an answer. The world is longing for the light. And the darker the night, the brighter the stars. So this is not the time to shrink back, to dabble in sin, or to coast as followers of Christ. Now more than ever, this is the time to let our light shine and walk in daring faith and experience the presence of God. God has called us to devoted faith, to directed faith, He's called us to daring faith. And He's called us to distraction-free faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. 
Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside every weight and the sin which so closely entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. But we can't run the race while we're all tangled up in sin and distraction and temptation. We've got to let go. There's a story about a, about a man who was walking and he fell off a cliff and he grabbed a tree branch before he fell to his death. And he's holding on all day, hoping somebody will come by. And he keeps crying out for help. No, nothing. The sun's setting and his grip is losing and his hands are sweaty and he's about to lose his grip on that branch. And when he does, he's going to fall down to his death to jagged rocks. And finally, he hears the voice of the Lord. And he says, I'm here. And the man said, oh, thank God you're there. He says, who, who is that? And the voice says, this is the Lord. He says, oh, praise God. And then God says, let go and I'll catch you. And the man looks down at the jagged rocks and he looks back up and he cries out, is there anybody else up there who will help me? Listen, this is what God is calling all of us to do in a distraction-free faith. He's calling us to let go of anything that's inconsistent with His character and His ways. And we look down and we look back up and we say, gosh, that could get kind of messy. Or we look down and we look back up and we think, gosh, I would have to slay one of my idols. Or we say, I'd have to live without a pet sin. And God's saying, let go. That's the only way. But God promises, I will catch you. And we'll experience the presence and the power of God in our lives. Do you need to let go? What do you need to let go of? Would you stand with me, please? God is with you and God is for you. Romans chapter 8. God is with you. This is a promise. Isn't this awesome, guys? We don't have to go where the Spirit of Christ was 2,000 years ago. The Spirit of Christ is within us. I'll tell you, my trip to Israel was life-changing because I walked where Jesus walked and I went where God's presence surely was. But... Sunday morning church, my home group with you guys on Thursday night or Saturday morning or whenever your gatherings are, it is infinitely more life-changing because it's not where the Spirit of Christ was, it's where the Spirit of Christ is. And we can encourage one another and speak into one another and pray for one another. This is the place. Are you there yet? This is the place where you can meet with God. Are you there yet? Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is here and the Lord is present. God wants you to bask in His presence. And it is more desperate and important that you bask in God's presence than it is that a, that, than a fish flandering around on the desert needs to be thrown into water. You need the Spirit of Christ to be poured over you. But is there something that you're doing that's blocking the flow from the throne of God into your heart and through you? Do you need to commit to devoted faith? Do you need to commit to directed faith and have a listening ear to the Spirit? And every day, spend time with the Lord and listen for Him. Do you need to commit to daring faith where you're hungry for a promise from God to stand upon because you're passionate about being obedient to your Lord? 
But you need to commit to a distraction-free faith. Is there something you need to let go of this morning? Is there something you need to let go of? Exodus chapter 33, God told Moses, Moses, listen to me, I'm going to bless you and your people with success, with power, with fame, with fortune, with land, with prosperity, with ease, with comfort for you, for your children, for your children's children. I'm going to send my angel. Nothing can come against you. You're going to be successful in all you put your hand to. There's just one catch here. I'm not going with you because the people are so stiff-necked and stubborn, I'll destroy them along the way. Would you take that deal? Would you say, okay, now let, let, let me get this straight. Your angel's going. You're going to be victorious for us in battle. You're going to give us the land. Our, our children, children's children are going to be safe and comfortable and prosperous. And You're just not going with us, but, but that's the deal. You want to know how Moses responded? awesome. Moses said, no deal, God. You can command me to go and I will be 100% disobedient to you because I will not go without your presence. Because you can give me all of the success in the world, but if that success is devoid of your presence and your will and your character, I want none of it. Would you have taken the deal? Are you taking the deal now? Many churches are taking the deal. Buying into a version of success that is devoid of Christ-like character and compassion to a lost and dying world. Buying into a truth that just doesn't step on anybody's toes. Are you taking that deal in your personal life, in any aspect of your life? Or will you, like Moses, say, God, I want no blessing. I want no fleeting pleasure. I want no moment in this world that's devoid of your character in my life. I want nothing that's devoid of your presence. Are you blocking his presence in your life? Have you taken that deal? Or do you need to commit to a devoted faith to the community, directed faith and sensitivity to the Spirit, daring faith and standing upon His promises, a distraction-free faith and letting go of something in your life and trusting Christ to catch you. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that You would stir in hearts and I pray that every weary heart would experience uh, the strength and the renewal from Your Holy Spirit's presence every aching and, 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 and grieving heart would experience the comfort from your presence and spirit. And I pray that, that, that every distracted heart would experience freedom from your presence as we let go and we entrust our heart to you. And in, in our response time, guys, I encourage you to use this altar and just let go. Surrender your life to Christ. And raise your hands and worship wholeheartedly. The altars are open.